I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. Today, we're going to talk about genes, genetics, and new research with Bryce Moulton. He's the Precision Genomics Clinical Research Director. Did I get that pronounced correctly, Bryce? You did. Good job, Rebecca. <laughs> Tell us the latest on the Heredigene Population Study and why Intermountain Healthcare is in such a unique position to offer this study, which will help us prevent and detect and treat serious diseases in our own families and in the community at large. Yeah, I'm happy to. Yeah, the Heredigene Population Study is the official uh, name of the study. And it's uh, sort of a unique name. Sometimes I have to spell that out for for uh, individuals, but it's sort of a play on words, right? It, it came from hereditary, the, the word hereditary, and of course, uh, our genes and genetics. And the idea is that, um, you know, we can um, utilize the information um, within our DNA um, and pair that with, of course, our, our medical information, our, our health records, or outcomes, you know, what makes us unique and, and individual. And we can use that information and, and study it. And what's really uh, great is we can identify uh, how that information um, is passed along to our family members, to our children, to our grandchildren, or where certain diseases or abnormalities came from. And as we understand this more and more, the hope is, is that we can improve patient outcomes more and more, too. It, it helps really everybody um, by, you know, not just improving our health outcomes and living healthier lives, but it also, in some cases, helps save us money. It helps save a trip to the doctors. And really, if anything, gives us uh, more confidence and insight into our own health. So when we take a look, and I appreciate uh, so much of that description of Bryce, and should I, re- should I refer to as Bryce or Dr. Moulton? What is best? Oh, I wish I was a doctor. Yeah, no, my, um, yeah, just Bryce is totally fine. I work with a lot of doctors, um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm unfortunately not a doctor. Maybe one day we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> After uh, amassing all this information about it, yeah. you mentioned that um, this is a population study. So you're taking right. a look at is it sixty thousand individuals, and then kind of matching their genetic. Um, like their genetic map, I should say, to their real-world medical conditions. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, there's sort of two types of data or information we're talking about here. And uh, maybe just really quick, I'll I'll back up. And, you know, to date, the study's been going on for a little over two years. And, of course, this is amidst a, a pretty serious pandemic. And so we feel you know, just absolutely impressed and grateful to our wonderful patients that have volunteered their time and samples. Um, and uh, in some cases, it maybe risks their safety to come in and, and you know, uh, get their blood drawn. And so we just really appreciate that. But our goal is actually 500,000 patients. And so we still have a ways to go. And um, we're, we're really excited, of course, about continuing this, this project. Um, 
But yeah, that's the idea. The, the two types of data that we're collecting is what we call genomic data, and that's your DNA. We can sequence the DNA within a blood sample, and um, we can learn a lot from that information. We can identify um, which genes um, maybe make up who you are, why you have red hair or blue eyes, or why in some cases you might develop cancer. We can identify that within your, your genome. But then when you um, match that or marry that to your clinical data, um, your health record, your, your medical record, you can really um, synergize that information. It really empowers us to learn even more. So um, we oftentimes refer to your genome as your um, genomic data, your medical record as your phenotypic data. And what, what ends up happening is we can identify maybe a gene mutation and say, this is what most people that have cancer, this is the type of mutation that they see. And when we can um, identify that that's the case in the medical record, that really um, uh, uh, solidifies or reinforces this idea that gene mutations cause disease. Now, what's really interesting, right, is if we can identify that somebody has a mutation before their disease manifests, before their symptoms show up. So let's say we find a cancer mutation in their genome, and it turns out that they've never been diagnosed with cancer before. Um, that actually does happen, and um, it doesn't mean that they will absolutely get cancer, but there's a pretty good chance that they might. And we, of course, know that some of these mutations are passed along to our children and grandchildren, and the knowledge of that can be really powerful. We can then potentially uh, perform different procedures in order to prevent that disease from ever happening, or maybe we can change our lifestyle. And so our ability to really understand and study this phenomenon makes it super powerful and, and, and just a, really a great time to be alive. I, I'm, I'm really excited about what we'll learn from this study. I appreciate you sharing that, and you tied it to cancer. And, of course, there's other genetic mutations that might raise the risk of cardiac uh, issues and, and other serious diseases, and it's all very important. In my own lifetime, and I've shared this uh, publicly uh, over the years, is I've been battling breast cancer for a couple of years. And a part of that um, began with taking a look at whether or not I had any known genetic mutations. In other words, scientists at Huntsman and other locations around the world had found out that a mutation on BRCA1 or whatever it may be and, and a few mm -hmm. others raised the risk of developing breast cancer. I didn't, uh, I did not have a known mutation. In other words, I developed breast cancer not at this point from a mutation that that we've been able to identify. So one of the things that was super right. interesting, and, and there's a large population in my support group of, of women who went to get their uh, DNA mapped to try to find out whether or not they carry a mutation to make decisions ahead of time. Maybe it's important mm -hmm. to get a um, you know, the ovaries removed, or maybe it's important to get the breasts removed. What should I do? I now have information and I can make some decisions ahead of time to help prevent things down the road. Now, I'll, and full disclosure, and for those who just joined us again, this is Bryce Moulton. He is the clinical research director, the Precision Genomics Clinical Research Director, and we're talking about 
Heretogene, this large population study that you can be a part of here in Utah and and in uh, the country. But what attracted me to want to donate my blood to Heretogene is we haven't determined yet what all the mutations are for health. That we were just so fortunate years ago to find BRCA. Right. So by donating a teeny bit of blood, maybe my life and my clinical you know, uh, history will help save someone down the road. That's absolutely right. Yeah, and that's so great. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that, that you've been able to participate in the study. It's, of course, a voluntary study, and it's a very individual choice. Um, but we take it very seriously. We we protect your identity. We anonymize your sample um, so that there's no way to link that uh, information after you've participated. And and that's absolutely right. Um, through the through this information, we can really discover uh, lots of, of new discoveries. We um, of course really have truly identified only about maybe 60 to 100 known disease-causing genes. And BRCA that you mentioned is, is one of those. It's, it's a known cause for breast cancer, right? Um, but it turns out that our genomes have um, somewhere, somewhere of about 20,000 genes. And so we've really only identified just a small um, portion of those by which if there's a mutation in those genes are known disease-causing. I think there's so much more out there that we need to identify. Um, you know, there's there's an interesting phenomenon too when we think about populations, where um, it turns out here in Utah, for example, there's a higher incidence of melanoma than just about anywhere else in the country, and uh, there's not a lot of uh, good answers as to why that is. And so this is a study that can really help address that. The the, the best way to do that, of course is we say, you know, at a population level, and what we mean by that is lots and lots of people need to participate and, you know, we need to rule out outliers and, and, and whatnot so that we can really make a good, strong argument as to why we see a higher incidence of melanoma, for example. Um, so, so there's some really uh, important discoveries that can be made. Of course, our hope is not just to make a discovery and say, you know, aha, you know, but what what do we do with that information? And that's what's really great about um, Intermountain. Um, we not only want to discover these things, but we want to make them clinically applicable. You know, how can patients then use that information along with their doctors and do something about it? Um, and we have to think about a lot of different things. Is it cost effective? Is it affordable? Is it readily accessible? Um, these are all really important, and I, I should just say really challenging things um, that we have to think about. But, you know, if uh, if you remember Rebecca talking to Dr. Nadal, he's one of the most ambitious and innovative individuals I've ever worked with. And I feel like we have such a great team leading the way here with this study to be able to, to start making some of those uh, discoveries. And it's very simple. And I think, uh, Bryce, I agree with you about Dr. Nadolf. But um, it's interesting you mentioned um, privacy, because at first when I was trying to learn about Heretogene, and if you want to take a look at it, I'm going to share with you that website. It's heretogene.org, H-E-R-E-D-I, heretogene, G-E-N-E, dot org, heretogene.org. And on there, before I ever even made the commitment to go give blood, I could read about all of the different ways um, that it you were keeping my information and my DNA information Safe and confidential, and as you mentioned, anonymous. 
And so that was very clear in, in the in the forefront. And then my next uh, uh, kind of happy memory is walking into one of the Intermountain clinics uh, into the lab and saying, hey, I'm, I'm here to give. And it took me maybe six minutes to walk back to the lab, right, and to give a little sampling of blood and know that that was going towards trying to solve the mysteries uh, of our family history and health. So confidentiality is a big thing for a lot of a lot of us, and it should be, right? It, yeah, it really is. And, you know, Rebecca, I've been a part of really intensive and interventional-type uh, trials, what we call them, where we're uh, administering a very experimental drug and we're finding out if it can, can work or not, maybe even save somebody's lives, right? And then we talk about um, studies where maybe we're just answering a few questions, right? But your answers to those questions is still your information. It's still your data. And that also needs to be protected. This is a study, of course, that includes um, a blood draw, which, you know, most of us have done. There is a small risk of, you know, feeling a little bit of pain and maybe even getting some bruising. And we need to make sure that um, patients are aware of that. And then because of the uh, nature of uh, this study and that we're uh, studying their DNA, their genetics, we also really need to make sure patients understand what that means and how we utilize that information and then, of course, how we protect that information. And what's great is this is all sort of managed and governed by really strong policies and procedures, not just at our institutional level within the hospital, but really on the federal level. Um, you know, many of us don't have to look too hard, and we can learn a lot about the history of, of clinical research and how in the past, and really not that long ago, not everybody followed the rules like they, they probably should have. Um, things are so much better now, and it, it makes, it, you know, sometimes it can make our jobs some, somewhat arduous and difficult, but it's still the right thing to do because the patient is what matters. These are volunteers. And so we want to make it as, as easy and um, have that information as readily accessible as possible. Um, and, of course, it's really important that they don't feel any pressure to participate. This is their decision as well. And, again, voluntary, and you're hoping for a half right. million uh, a half million volunteers. Is it across the United States that the goal is, or a half million here in Utah? It's really a half million here in Utah, although if, if an individual, let's say, is traveling through, they can still participate, um, which is really great. Um, but for the most part, we're, we're marketing and we're telling people about the study here in our own community. And the reason for that is because um, the chance of us being able to access their information and, and um, you know, be able to really learn about um, some of the medical uh, uh, issues or, or symptoms or diseases that they might have, it's a lot higher if they live here. So Wonderful. And again, if you want to volunteer, because I also want to talk about the children's study that's going on. Yes. And I think of that because I have a friend whose son, 17-year-old, has just recently been diagnosed with a rare type of brain cancer. And so, of course, we want to know, you know, is it going... What can we do to, to help our children be protected in the future? But first, for those adults 18 years and older, who, um, if they want to participate in Heretogene, this population study, what are the two things they need to do, Bryce? That's right. So uh, really the best way, and what I always tell uh, uh, our patients, is to go to the website, heretogene.org. And they can learn really as much as they want to about the study. There's lots of links and resources that talk about genetics and how we uh, protect their information and what is DNA and how it's used in research. 
Um, so it's a great resource just in terms of learning. But on that website as well is a link by which they can sign what's called an informed consent form. And that is, in, in essence, a very legal document that provides permission for us to go ahead and um, enroll them into the study. And this study in particular, there's really just one single event, and that's, you know, you come in and get a blood draw. And so you can do this, of course, on your own at your own time. Or let's say you have an upcoming doctor's visit, and uh, like I do, for example, I've got to get my blood drawn and check my A1C here pretty soon. But um, uh, as part of that blood draw, I can go ahead and sign up beforehand, and when I show up, they'll see that I've signed up, and they'll add the, the extra tube that's needed for this study. And so it, it, it's very easy to do. Um, but, yeah, the website is really the best place, or they're welcome to, to come in and speak to some of our team or, or their physician as well if, if needed. And, and that goes for um, the children's study as well. The children's study is, of course, happening right now at least just at Primary Children's Hospital up in Salt Lake City. Um, but we hope to be able to expand that really across the whole state here pretty soon as well. For those, again, who've just joined us, this is Bryce Moulton. He is a clinical research director, the Precision Genomics uh, Director with Intermountain Healthcare and the population study called Heretogene, looking for a half million people to be willing to participate and be a part of trying to figure out what we're passing on to our children and in generations forward when it comes to medical health and, and diseases. And you can get uh, signed up and learn more about it if you'd like at Heretogene the gene as in DNA gene dot org. Now the children's study, we have about four to five more minutes to talk about this study. In particular, what's interesting about Heretogene is that in around you guys have come up with innovative ways for people to be a part of it, whether that is going to an Interrountain healthcare lab and donating blood or, you know, giving their e-consent online at heretogene.org, but they can use leftover blood that's already been donated or or in pediatric patients, they can use buccal swabs. So what type of information are you looking for about children and children's health? Yeah, what's interesting about, um, you know, children's disease is oftentimes it's very hard to diagnose. Of course, you know, very young children have a, have a hard time, you know, vocalizing or explaining symptoms and what they're feeling and what's, what's happening. Um, and in some cases, we go through what we call a diagnostic journey, right? We, it's very hard sometimes for doctors to, to really get down to the true cause of what may be happening, a genetic disorder that is, is really hard to diagnose, for example. So being able to, to utilize a, a, a genomic approach, sequencing their DNA and identifying if maybe there's a genomic mutation or alteration that may be causing the disease, it turns out that um, we're now developing drugs and treatment that directly target those DNA mutations. And chemotherapy is sort of a good example, right? Chemotherapy for cancer wipes out, you know, all rapidly dividing cells. It's a very broad-based approach to um, treating cancer. And, and, you know, it does work, but it's really difficult. I know you know that, Rebecca, and, and it can be um, really trying, especially for children. Um, what we call targeted treatment is a, it's a very different approach. It can target those specific DNA mutations. And in some cases, you don't have any sort of side effects like, like ibuprofen or something like that. And so it's really, it's, it's really great to be able to identify if indeed, you know, these children have underlying genetic disorders, being able to sequence that information 
and identify those is really important. Now, let's say um, that um, maybe that isn't the answer. There's still so much value that comes from children and adults participating in this study, of course, in terms of helping future generations. So there's really two components to this study, being able to potentially identify for, for yourself uh, uh, what we call a pathogenic variant or a disease-causing mutation. There's actually a small chance that that could happen, but it's only going to be in about 3% of, of the people that sign up for this study. The far majority, on the other hand, are probably not going to find anything, and that's probably a good thing, right? But they will be contributing to future research, and uh, we, we are really, um, again, just grateful for, for that. And we hope to be able to keep them up to date with what we learn, the discoveries, and, of course, the, the clinical applications that, that proceed thereafter. I love that information. And I was thinking again, as I uh, repeated your title, Precision Genomics Clinical Research Director, I know that uh, from my own healthcare experience, they've started uh, talking about precision medicine. And mm-hmm. that means um, rather than, uh, I guess I, you're, you'd be the better uh, person to define <laughs> it, but it's, it's new language to a lot of us. And, and it's a new Correct. way to understand how our human body uh, works and what role DNA plays in that. So with precision medicine, if they know more about your DNA or the genes um, affecting a disease, they can target specific care and treatment for that. That's what makes it precise. So I hope I did an okay That's job. Right. But it's a Absolutely. new way of doing medicine, and DNA is just <laughs> such a big part of it. So, Bryce, I appreciate your passion and the information and um, and the work you and your team is doing to try to help us be able to protect the generations under us from so many of the diseases that we are um, suffering from right now. And again, if you want your children to participate in the Heredogene population study, is it the same website that we encourage people to go to? Yes, absolutely. Same website. All the same information is there as well. Right, heredogene.org. Bryce Bolton, thank you so much for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.